It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is what it is, okay? I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. Now, you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now, water can flow or it can crash. Be water, my friend. No twists. And how's everybody doing out there this evening? I'm Anthony George, also known as Zoot. A little bit later on, we'll be joined by Eric from New Jersey. MMA veteran Steven Seiler is scheduled to appear. And to join me with all the festivities now is Mr. Nick Rossborough. And uh, first, Nick, we're going to talk a little bit about the... uh, UFC 210, a very fascinating card, to say the least, in more ways than one. And dying to get your perspective on it, I thought we had a lot of good stuff on the undercards, on the co-features. And then we got to the two main events, and we had a little bit of uh, chaos, some unexpected things, and, and especially with the main event. A real huge disappointment. Now, if I'm going to hear everybody kill King Mo for his approach against Rampage, I got to hear the same criticism for Rumble Johnson. Do I not? Because Rumble did not do what everybody was expecting him to do. And then he throws this curveball with retiring, Nick. Now, that's all said and good. But that might have been good for the fans to know beforehand. You were you didn't have the desire to, for whatever reason. You were not going to go in there. At, I mean, I, I don't know what to think of this, but I'm not happy. You know, I don't I don't know what to think of that either. I do feel possibly that had to play a lot in the role of his fighting um, to go to show how his performance was that that night. You know, um, what what happens if he would have won the belt? Would he be kept fighting or or what? You know, like I just. 
I think that just goes to show his performance of the night. Like, it was just off. Everybody knew there was questions about why he fought a certain way and the way the fight went, you know. It was just really weird. So, right. um, I guess the questions will be there until he answers them, I guess. I don't know if anybody's really asked him those things. Mm-hmm. It was peculiar in many ways, but we had on uh, the prelims uh, an example of a guy knowing that he was going in there with his last fight, Patrick the Predator Cote. Nobody else knew it except for him and some key people that were close to him. But he fought the way you expect him to fight. He fought to win. He fought trying to utilize his strengths. He didn't go in there and resort to something that he knew was, although a wrestler in origin, he, you know, he hasn't gotten up to this point and he hasn't dominated the light heavyweight division with the exception of this one fighter with his wrestling. So it was pretty odd in that sense. And it didn't seem like that his corner uh, knew about the tactic. They probably knew about the retirement, but I, I was looking at some transcripts and uh, people in his corner kept t- telling him, stop wrestling. Don't try to wrestle. You don't have to wrestle with him. And then it seemed like they abandoned him at the end there when he was looking for them, which was also odd. So, so just a, a really downer and not to take it, take away from Cormier's performance, and it is the, I thought all the attention was on Cormier going into that fight with all the calamity at the weigh-in. You know, a little holding of the towel there, trying to cheat to make weight was uh, what a lot of people were speculating. But everybody yeah. soon forgot that. Uh, yeah, that that was weird. It just I don't know why he would try to wrestle him. Granted, you know, he does have a wrestling background himself a little bit, but um, it was just a weird aspect. It, to me, it was a boring fight. I wasn't impressed with either one of them. Um, you know, I wasn't really impressed with Cormier's uh, character from the weigh-ins all the way through the fight to the after the fight. You know, I just, he, I don't, he he might be trying to play the villain or the bad guy or something. I'm not, I'm not sure. I can't really read that that well. You know, but um, Anthony Johnson just didn't go out to do what he was supposed to do or want to do. I, I just I think that played a huge part. His retirement in the back of his head, he knew what was going on, and I I don't think he gave it his all in, in the sense of whether he cared to win or lose. You know. Um, that's the question I've always asked or have asked since. And what, what, what happens or what would have happened um, if he would have won the title? Would have he get, went out and gave his all? You know, now there's interviews saying that he would fight one more time if he could fight John Jones. And I don't know, that's just, that's just a weird play. Maybe it's a tactic of some sort. Who knows? I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you could speculate that had he been victorious, the words retirement would not have come out of his mouth. I mean, we'll never know, but we could certainly speculate. I mean, he's opened the door for that. But I, I think with the approach that he took, the, the strategy in the fight, he, he was in no way, shape, or form interested in winning. I mean, I, I thought he looked for a pretty a quick way out once he got down on the ground. And he, he had to know that he wasn't uh, giving himself his, his best chance. And it's, if all the desire was sucked out of it and he just resorted to what he was, uh, you know, from the beginning, a wrestler. Uh, I mean, I feel like we as a fans have been cheated. I mean, that's not what we paid for. No, definitely not. And, you know, looking back on the fight itself, he didn't try to fight the, you know, the hand battle or anything. Even when Cormier you know, pulled up his head to sink in the rear naked. You know, he tapped pretty fast. Rather, he tapped way before um, his hand was ever out on the side and before the ref stopped, you know. So it was just a weird 
just a weird play of, um, of events, yeah. you know, in, in regards to all that. Since I'm not a, a fighter, I never competed in any fighting. I, I don't like to criticize guys in that nature. But every time I hear fighters talk about other fighters looking for a way out, I mean, that's what I saw Rumble do. I mean, it looked the same as when I hear a lot of other, you know, he looked for a way out. He, he gave him the, the choke and he tapped fairly quickly, like you said. I mean, uh, the, the thing that I thought about was that he psyched himself out so much thinking that he couldn't knock this guy out. He didn't want to, uh, you know, f- lose going all balls out. I mean, I don't know. I, very odd. Very odd. Yeah, I don't. I, I really don't know either. Watching the fight, you know, he was seemed to do pretty good standing up. He hurt uh, uh, Daniel pretty well with that head kick, you know, broke his nose and everything. And he seemed like his hands were doing all right in a sense. He wasn't. Um, what he didn't—he didn't look like he'd been before with his hands or stand up and anything like that. But whatever he was throwing, he was doing pretty good damage towards, you know, Daniel. So it was just—it was just a weird outcome of everything, a weird turn of events, and the way it all played out. Like I, me personally, I just don't think his mind was in it from the get-go. Like, you know, obviously with the the shenanigans, right? Daniel pulled at Wayne's and everything. His management wasn't there. Nobody, nobody questioned any of that, which was just a weird, weird thing for me to to see and watch and. You know, um, I, I yeah, I'm just lost for words in in regards to all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, when it's all said and done, Cormier is still the champion. And if you watched the post-fight stuff with Dana White, uh, it doesn't seem like uh, Cormier fighting John Jones next is in the cards, especially not if it's in July. Uh, who knows if Cormier needs more time than that? But if it's in July or sometime in August, it looks like it's going. It might be Jimmy Manoa, but if you listen and you captured the tone of voice of Dana White, he doesn't seem like he's too eager to invest in a John Jones as of yet. And, he, and he, you know, and he said it, uh, it costs a lot of money to promote this stuff. I don't want to do this again if this guy's not ready. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, right. but that's what I got out of it. So, it, it, so and Manoa was there. Cormier called Manoa out. So, uh, I mean, uh, I don't think John Jones is in line for an immediate title shot, but he's certainly the guy that everybody wants to see Cormier fight, and and most of us want to see him beat. Yeah, I, I agree. I would love to see John Jones get beat by Daniel, um, just in regards to the character that, that John Jones portrays, like he's supposed to be this stand-up guy, and everything came to to the realization in, in real life, you know, when everything was exposed on him. And I just, when you represent yourself as one person, you come out as another, like the character for me, I lose a lot of respect for, for beings that way, you know? So um, I would love to see him just beat the living crap out of him. But in, in the same breath, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really care to see John Jones fight again. If, if that, like um, right, maybe he right. deserves uh, a chance to go come back and fight, but maybe work his way in there, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, give him Anthony Johnson if he wants one more fight and, let, and see what that outcome is, you know, but who knows? Who knows how they It certainly seems what. like Dana is not willing to hand him uh, the silver spoon so quickly again, so we'll see. And with yeah. Rumble gone, if he is indeed gone, the light heavyweight division is still pretty exciting. Top heavy, I think, but still pretty uh, exciting. And we've got some good fights coming down the pipe for that. 
Uh, what uh-huh. were your other impressions of the night? What fights stood out and what performances stood out for you in UFC 210? Um, I was actually really blown away with the uh, Weidman and uh, uh, Gegard fight. Like the, it was just a weird turn of events and in regards to that. that the whole night was weird, you know. Um, but that fight itself, I watched it and watched it, and it just – I don't know if having that the rule change is a good thing. You know, they say it's supposed to eliminate people playing – you know, the the part of, you know, manipulating the rule a little bit, but it still looked like it was manipulated at that sense. Well, there's no, there's no, you know, lines that you can actually say, okay, here's that, because of what what was seen, you know. The ref didn't know because you, you, you're you not knowing. So um, that weird rule change is just a weird aspect, you know, and then, and then for them to stop the fights. Maybe the commission doesn't really know what's going on in the sport or the New York Athletic Commission, you know, so – that was just a weird turn of events. I don't know why they would have stopped the fight. I don't know what would have happened, you know, and, you know, to give the replay and then say New York doesn't allow replays and then them basing the judgment off the replays was just really, really weird as well. So I don't, I don't know. That that just was a weird turn of events in that fight. I feel bad for both fighters because, you know, I wouldn't want to win like right. that. So. Right, right. Now, I'm never one to stick up for any athletic commission let alone the New York State with all the terrible jobs that they've been doing, especially lately. But uh, I think the UFC is uh, getting a little bit of a pass here. I mean, unless I'm totally wrong, uh, it was not the, the New York State Athletic Commission people that called Mergulata over and told him he got the call wrong based on the replay. You know, if replay is not part of what, what the system is, they had no business calling him over there and addressing the replay in my opinion, and it just created even Correct. more chaos. Yeah, I, and I agree with that. Like, uh, Mugliata was the one that failed to do so. I don't know why he would bring – I mean, I, I understand an illegal blow, um, you, you bring a ref in – or not a ref, sorry, excuse me, a, a doctor in to double-check to make sure that, that that opponent or that fighter is capable of continuing. Um, so I think Murg, you know, he did the right thing in, in that sense. But to actually – justify that the, the outcome of the fight and maybe the, that's what the rest had done is just justified that um Weidman wasn't capable of fighting. I, obviously we none of us know what was said in the in the cage to Weidman right. so we don't know if he was trying to play a victim at first and then or saying he couldn't continue and then play the victim after saying oh then you know but who, who knows you, you really don't know because we weren't there I mean, there's so many things going on there. But one thing I I, I kept asking, and I still don't know the answer to, maybe you know. Uh, let's say Weidman could not continue. Let's say they never called Mergulata over and said, based on the replay, you got the call wrong, which they shouldn't have done because replay is not part of what, you know, replay doesn't come into play. And there's no replay rules. So they shouldn't have done that. But if they didn't, and after five minutes, if Weidman could not continue, does Musasi get disqualified or does Weidman lose on TKO? Nobody clarified that. And I think that's not not saying I don't like the new booth with Cruz in there, the three-man booth. But uh, I think in that case, it it showed how that might be a little bit of a hindrance because all those guys were more interested in talking over each other and laying blame than explaining that. So the the one thing that I noticed watching the fight is Mergliata stopped the fight because he thought it was an illegal blow. Um, then he warned, he warns Masasi with, with, 
with just a warning, which was really strange to me because he goes back and says, okay, it wasn't an illegal blow. It wasn't none of this. It wasn't none of that. I'm not deducting any points, and I'm not doing any of this information. Right. That, doing any that was stuff. after they told him on the replay that he got the call wrong. Correct. So, which was really strange to me because if you watch it, you know, he stops the fight because he thinks it's an illegal blow. Then he warns Masasi and says, okay, um, this is just a warning. I know it wasn't intentional. Um, but this is your forewarning, which is strange to me because usually in the back before the fights, that's your pre-warning. That's your fight for the, or that's your warning right. for the fight. Anything done illegally in the cage um, is is a deduction right. of points. Well, it's kind of you know, yeah, it's kind of like a, it was illegal, but it wasn't intentional. As I think what he was trying to say, same way like with headbutts in boxing, uh, you could have an intentional or an unintentional headbutt and, and all of that. Uh, but the other thing is uh, a lot of people were, were thinking that Weidman was playing Paso, was being coy, thinking that, uh, be, all right, this is it was called illegal. Now I'm going to act like I can't continue. Uh, did you get Correct. that from watching it? Um, yeah, it was just weird that Weidman just was playing. Uh, it was weird to watch him. Like he, It didn't look like he wanted to continue. It looked like he was just trying to, or maybe he was wanting to continue, but just taking up the five minutes to do what he was supposed to do, you know? Um, maybe give himself a rest and and make sure that he knew that he was willing to recover for that five minutes. That 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 was strange as well. So yeah, it was. All, I just would have. I, I just wish they never would have called Mergliata over, and it would have played out as such, uh, because uh, they had no right to do that because replay is not part of the bargain. It's not part of the rules. You just can't do it because you feel like it. Yeah. I mean, this is supposed to be the top mixed martial arts organization. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was the Athletic Commission people that called them over. But I thought it was uh, fellow referees and and UFC officials that that did that. So if that's the case, they made a bigger mess out of it than the New York State Athletic Commission did. Correct, and I agree. Like I said, and John McCarthy is the one that that started the whole nonsense with the, with the, the rule change, which is a big mistake, like you said. Sorry, but go ahead. Yeah, I just I don't get that that rule change, but maybe there is definition to it in the longer run. You know, they they try to say it's so that no fighters can manipulate that rule, but apparently this goes to show the the consequences of possibly trying to manipulate it and the refs not knowing. Now, if Whiteman couldn't continue after the five minutes, then um, Possibly, if if there was no chance of the replay, and if there was no chance of Mergliata knowing that it wasn't a foul, um, you know, then it should have been changed to a no contest because with an illegal blow and and the the fighter not being able to continue, then it's changed to a, or the the fight right. is a no contest. Some I know go to a judge's scorecard um, based off a certain amount of time passed, but I don't know if that would have been applicable in this fight in the sense of because it wasn't ha- it wasn't past the two rounds, you know, so. If, if worse come or if worse would have come to worse, then I think it would have been a no contest. And I know Weidman's fighting it now with with the news and everything, but we'll see what it gets uh, overturned. Right, to. right, so. right. Yeah, because I know in boxing, if it's a low blow but it's not intentional, if the fighter can't continue after five minutes, he loses. He, the, the, the guy doesn't get disqualified because it wasn't if it wasn't ruled intentional. But the rest yeah. of it, I'm not sure of. I don't know what the what the rules are of, of all that. I have to look into that. And the next show, maybe one, you know, will uh, make that clear because they never made it clear on the broadcast, and that was their job. It's not to grandstand. It's not to, you know, try and talk over each other. It's not to say this one's wrong or that one's wrong. Let us know what the rules are. That's what your job is. 
Mr. Cruz, yep. Mr. Rogan, and Mr. Annex. And I normally I yeah. think all those guys do a great job, but not in that point. When we needed them the most, they shit the bed. But yeah, the, the other side, the, the other side of it is a lot of people are are thinking the con, you know consensus is automatic rematch, well deserved. Nobody would argue with it. But uh, from what I understand, uh, Gegard's contract is in jeopardy with the UFC, so he might not re-sign with the UFC, and that would kiss any uh, rematch goodbye, at least at the UFC level. You wonder what Weinman's standing is now after uh, you know two losses in a row and in a, in a fight where it looked like he was on his way to losing, although he was competitive in the beginning. And, uh, you know, and, and in the press conference, Dana White basically said, you know, Musashi's a tremendous talent. I love him. I'm a fan. But uh, he does not have the power of negotiation like a Mark Hunt does because Mark Hunt has a whole country behind him. He's not a big seller. So that tells me Dana White has all the power and Musashi's either going to have to take what they give him or uh, go elsewhere. And if he goes elsewhere, is he going to get more money? That that's the biggest plight of having the UFC being the top dog, and my always my biggest criticism of them is the way they pay some of these fighters. And and I agree, the way they pay some of them are um, is is uh, is crazy. And um, I I think I understand both sides. Obviously, being a fighter and then obviously seeing that. The one thing I don't agree with the UFC is I don't. They only build people that they want to build, you know, um, and. I think that if they took the time to actually help fighters market themselves or teach them how to do that or market the fighter themselves, you know, um, I think things would, the outcome would be a lot different. A lot of these fighters wouldn't leave the UFC. A lot of these fighters would stay there because the money is good, you know. Obviously, they're getting a, uh, a better paycheck possibly with endorsements going elsewhere or testing the free agency. And that just goes to show that the UFC, I don't really think, cares about a lot of the potential that's out there or the fighters themselves because he, you know, he stands up and says it bluntly, you know, he's a good fighter. I like him as a fighter, but he just doesn't have um, the the power to, to market himself, which is is shitty. And and a lot of fighters don't understand that, you know. So it's it sucks and it's hard. And um, you either have to get the right marketing team behind you or someone to help you figure that out and just do it, you know. So um, that that's the crappy part, you know. There's some people that don't agree with all that stuff, but then. You, you look behind the promoter's aspect and like, okay, these are my ticket sales. This is how I make my money, you know, and the fighters are the, the ones behind it all, but you have to market them the right way and, and the promotion has to do what they have to do to get paid as well. I mean, it's all a business all across the board from the fighter to, right. the, to the promoter. Yeah, and Gegard has made it clear he's not happy with how he's being paid. Dana White has made it clear he has no business uh, to demand any more than what he's getting. So we'll see what happens. Uh, any, anything else stand out for you with that card, Nick? Um, Will Brooks, I know him personally, and, and I've watched his career, and he's been exciting. And but since he's come over to the UFC, he's uh, I think he's one and three uh, or one and two in the UFC, which is really, really, you know, discouraging. And watching him as an athlete not not do what he's capable of doing, you know, so it's uh, watching that fight was a little weird, and you know, he got outworked and. I wrestled and and just it's just crazy to watch people transition over. Uh, you know, you always wonder if there's something outside of that that is distracting them from concentrating on fighting. You know, but I I, I don't know. It's just just crazy. Yeah. Now before that fight started, I made an erroneous 
statement. I, I, I mean, I should say I asked a question, really. I was watching the fight with Eric from New Jersey, and I said, is Charles Oliver the closest thing to a, a tomato can in the UFC? And Eric was like, yeah, that's a little kind of a harsh. I was like, yeah, I guess, maybe. But, uh, you know, <laughs> how many people think he's going to win this fight? And then he goes and turns around and wins it. So I, I will never claim anybody in the, the UFC is a tomato can ever again. Do you think Will Brooks yeah. might have had that same mindset and then train and prepare the way he should? Um, it's very possible, you know. Um, that That's definitely a possibility where he just didn't think he had to take – you know, him as serious as, as any other fight, which anyone that's willing to step in the cage, man, you have to take seriously. They're there, they're there and especially at that elite level, you know, he's there for a reason. He's done things that a lot of people want to do, you know. So to to, to not take anybody seriously is just is, is, a, is a loss definitely in your book at that moment, you know. And I might get in trouble for saying this, but I won't call him a tomato can, but I definitely won't bet on Dennis Seaver in his next fight if it's in the UFC. <laughs> definitely, yes, I agree. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Well, I mean, overall, though, I thought it was a disappointment. I, I thought the two top fights contributed to that. Up until then, I thought we were getting a pretty good night of mixed martial arts. We got some... Uh, good fights. I thought the big problem with the card top to bottom was there wasn't too many fights where you were wondering what was going to happen. Uh, I, I thought the, the Cummings fight had the biggest give and take where you, but pretty much every other fight and the green Emmett fight to a certain degree, although I thought green won clearly, but it wasn't expected to be, it was expected to be closer. So that was a surprise, but I think most, most, other fights with the with the exception of the top two from start to finish you pretty much knew what was going to happen and there was no real ebbs and flows in this bout we saw another wonderful performance from Cynthia Cavillo uh we saw a big upset uh you know Cote and Alves uh I mean Alves pretty much was in control and winning most every second of that fight but Cote never quit so that was a good fight but I, I thought yeah. the last two fights, with with the weirdness of the Musasi Weidman and and the just I'm banking in approach to Rumble Johnson, made for a letdown. I thought I thought Dana White overspoke when he thought it was a great night, and I don't know I don't know if anybody has found this out yet what the pay per view buys are. It usually takes about a week for that to come out, but I'm curious as that as well. What, your, what was your overall thoughts on the card, Nick? My overall thoughts is I just I wasn't impressed with the card. I mean, obviously the two the two the co main and the main event were just overly, you know, highly anticipated and just didn't go to perform and I mean it does happen and uh I think what they had two million at the gate or something like that, which I don't think is a bad thing, but uh business wise I think that's where Dana says, Oh, it was a good night for us um with that maybe on a on a Yeah, I mean, he also but, said the fights were great too, which I thought was over was overreaching. But yeah, I I don't agree with <laughs> might that. Might have been a great especially business the last night. Fight. Right. Yeah. So um like I do agree on on, on your behalf where the, the just the last two fights just didn't come to to perform like they were supposed to or expected to, you know? So All right, Nick, we're coming up to uh the seven o'clock hour, we're going to have Steven Seiler on. So now's your time. I don't know if you're sticking around for this one. If you are, be my guest. But if not, 
I mean, either way, now's your time. Uh, you, you, you've been talking about an announcement. You've been teasing us. The carrot has been dangling for a couple of weeks now. Do you have any updates on that with yourself? Still, still no updates. So I, I apologize for that. The anticipation will definitely pay off. I, I can guarantee that. But um, each and every day, I, I contact my management and uh, make sure that you know, find out when I can expose it all. But still, nothing at this point. Um, but eventually soon, I, I promise. No later than at least a week or two out. So. All right, good stuff. And we do have a, a UFC, big UFC fight night coming up on uh, this Saturday with a big title on the line, arguably the most dominant mixed martial artist in the world today. Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson puts his flyweight championship up against number three ranked Wilson uh, Ice. Rice, I never get these names right. Uh, but uh, what do you think of that? Uh, overall, I think we got some good stuff on the card, but uh, we're pressed for time. So I just want to, at this point, get your thoughts on the main event. Uh, the main event, I'm, I've always been a fan of Demetrius. You know, he's he's been uh, underrated quite a bit and just not marketed the way he was supposed to, or as a champion, I guess I shall say. But uh, you know, um, he's dominated. Nobody's beat him, and I don't know if anyone will. You know, until he decides to just. Re- give the belt up but who knows you know you always think that when someone's on the top he's been on the top i think the longest right now so um, right i like him you know i i wish him the best and hopefully he goes out to perform the way he's supposed to this fight and he's also on steady ground at the top of that pound for pound ufc list and probably overall in mma now i'm not a big pound for pound discussion guy I actually hate the conversation so I have no idea why I'm bringing it up but uh, it just I, I think it's for me to like stress the dominance that this guy has so what is your chances what chances do you give for the upset Nick uh, what, what percentage let's talk percentages what percentage do you give a, an upset under 10 you know, over 10 I, I, it's a 50-50 chance, man. Like MMA, anything is 50-50, and we've seen that happen. We've seen it happen with Anderson. It takes one shot in a four-ounce club, one one opportunity and one, you know, one time to just take care of it. So I, it's a 50-50 chance, man, if Demetrius gets caught or if he doesn't do what he's supposed to or the guy comes out doing what he's supposed to. Like I said, with MMA, it's 50-50. All right. So if you if the upset happens, and it would be an upset uh, if Johnson loses, you would foresee it as uh, him getting caught, uh, like getting knocked out, that kind of a scenario. Yeah, I I, I believe so. Yep. All righty, good stuff there. And uh, now's your time for some closing remarks. Are you going to stay on for Mr. Siler, or are you getting out of here? Um. I, I might have to get out of here, but uh, I wish him the best. You know, he's an awesome dude, one of my favorite local fighters here in Utah. So um, I know he'll be a good good, good host for you. All right, good stuff. Thank you, Nick. And uh, now's the time for your closing remarks. Close the show. Give us a little farewell for now, but we'll see you later. Uh, well, stay tuned, guys. Like I said, big news coming your way. The anticipation will keep building. A big shout-out to uh, Better Way Lifestyle, one of my endorsements out here for food and uh you know, uh, I'll be with you guys next week. All righty. Good stuff. You have a good rest of your evening, Nick Rosborough. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All righty. Good stuff there. We're going to take a, a quick break and hopefully have on uh, Steven Silas.
All righty, we are back to Zoot's MMA talk. And uh, our next guest is a mixed martial artist with 28 professional wins, five by knockout, 15 by submission, and eight by decision. He also has uh, 15 losses on his record. He has been fighting for many, many years, fought in the UFC and many other organizations, and we are very happy to have him here on Zoots MMA Talk. Mr. Steven Seiler, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. How about you guys? We're doing wonderful. Uh, I always love talking uh, mixed martial arts, MMA, uh, especially with uh, people who have fought professionally as yourself. So uh, let's go back to the beginning, Stephen. What attracted you to this sport, and how did you uh, decide that you wanted to become a professional at it? Uh, well, when I first started, there was no amateur MMA. I, uh, every you know, you take a fight, you got paid fifty bucks, and that was cool. Um, you know, I, I fought right before the first Ultimate Fighter finale. Um, my buddy, who, my, you know, my best friend, he eventually made the UFC as well. But, you know, he went down in Brazil and uh, started training down with the original shooter box camp. You know, Vandalay Silva, Anderson Silva, uh, Shogun, you know, all those kind of guys. Uh, he came back from Brazil. Uh, he was a couple years younger than me, but he was just putting it on me. Man. He'd beat me up every day. We'd go to parties and uh, he'd be like wanting to show off. So he just beat up on me. He was twice my size, and, uh, you know, when I turned 18, I saw you could get paid, you know, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, and be on local TV, and I thought it'd be cool, so, uh, you know, I, I decided to take a couple of fights, and next thing I know, I was doing it for a career. <laughs> now, were you, born in, were you born in Utah? You currently reside there? Um, I know I was actually born in California, but, uh, you know, I've been in Utah since I was seven, seven almost eight so you know i'm a, mm. that's 23 years now i'm a utah boy now so when do you get first introduced to the sport it wasn't this big uh you know the ufc wasn't this big thing when you were young uh what where was the uh, origin for you the discovery so to speak um you know it wasn't even big when i got into it yet like i said it was before the ultimate fighter finale even where people started paying attention to the ufc so um it wasn't really that big when I first got started fighting. Actually, just uh, it turned big, pretty you know, pretty big afterwards. But when I started fighting, I just thought, you know, I was getting, I got in trouble in school for fighting. I always loved competing, uh, so why not do it and get paid to do it? You know, I actually had a good job, you know, working at Halo First Base up in Clearfield, and uh, I just wanted to just make some extra money and fight without getting in trouble. Now, were you the kind of guy that? Looked for fights, or did you get people always trying to, like, you know, start fights with you in school? Um, probably a little bit of both. Uh, you know, I did hang out with some instigators, and, you know, I wasn't one to back down from a fight either anyway. So when my buddies got in trouble, you know, I wasn't one to shy away from it either. So, uh, but at the same time, I mean, I was just a little guy. Like, I don't even think I hit puberty until I hit 18, man. I was the smallest kid in school so uh, I was an right, easy right. target people picked on me and uh, you know <laughs> I just wasn't going to back down from it right 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 so uh, so talk a little bit about your maturation your, your evolving as a mixed martial artist the different kinds of uh, disciplines you have trained over the years which ones came more natural than others uh, 
because you know, watching your fights, you're a guy who likes to stand and strike, but uh, you also seem to you know have a lot of uh, training with the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and some other grappling. So, so speak on that. Okay, well, uh, like I said, when I first started fighting, I actually had 12 professional fights before I even stepped foot in the gym. You know, I never trained or even been in the gym until after my 12th fight. Uh, and after our 12th fight, it was a loss, and my buddy kind of talked me into, hey, you need to start training. And if you're going to be doing this so you don't get hurt, you know, take it seriously and get inside of a gym and learn some of the stuff. And so I had 12 fights before I even stepped into the gym. Uh, the very first gym I went to was a jiu-jitsu-based gym, so I trained a couple of years mostly jiu-jitsu, and, you know, they tried to incorporate some stand-up to help me out because they knew I was fighting, but uh, it was mostly jiu-jitsu-based. And so jiu-jitsu was kind of easier for me to learn. Um, and, you know, that's what I kind of more focused on, but, uh, you know, the, the more advanced I got into fighting, uh, I also hate wrestling. So, uh, the lazier, the jujitsu was easier, you know, I wasn't going to the ground every time. So, you know, I kind of learned to stand up and I liked that a little bit more because I like punching people and I uh, didn't have to worry about taking them down. <laughs> oh, you say you hate wrestling. What is it that you despise about it? Uh, it, it's a lot more work. <laughs> I'm, I'm very lazy. So, uh, you know, wrestling, getting someone to the ground when someone's fighting to get taken down and not getting taken down, it's a lot of work. So I'd rather just stand there and punch them in the face rather than work for a takedown and, you know, try to submit them. Um, I'm a, I love submitting people. I love choking people. But, you know, if I have an option, it's definitely rather punch someone in the face. Now, what about fighting a wrestler? Uh, I know Rampage has said that. Do you hate that as well? Um, you know, that was that was what was known to be my kryptonite in the UFC. Uh, you know, I lost mostly wrestling-based fighters. I was able to kind of get past the, the non-wrestlers. And even after the UFC, my biggest two of my three losses were to more wrestling-based guys who didn't really do much damage, but they were able to hold, uh, lay on me and hold me down. So, um, you know, I know it's something I need to learn, and I have learned. I've worked really hard on it, but at the same time, um, yeah, it's not my strong point. Right, right. Now, one of the biggest breaks you had was being on the Ultimate Fire of 14. Talk a little bit about how you got on the show and your, your experience there. Um, well, was, I, I kind of had a good feeling I was going to be on the show. I, I almost made season 12 of the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, I was actually one of the last couple cuts. Uh, I actually thought I was going to be on the show, and they called me up. Uh, and that's why my brother was actually getting married right around that time. So we, I told him to find the next best man in the line in case I was gone for the show. And, uh, you know, they finally called me up and they said that, no, you're not going to make it this time. And, uh, you know, so I ended up going to the, the wedding and then I ended up going to the Ultimate Fighter Season 13 tryouts, which was 170, which my buddy Ramsey had taken. And uh, so I went to the tryouts and, you know, we got all the way to the interview. And by the time I got to the interview, uh, Craig, the producer, kind of called me out. He's like, yes, we know what Siler's going to say. He's too, or who cares how big he is. He could still beat up everyone, blah, blah, blah. He called, kind of called me out in front of everybody. And then we took me back to do the private interview. Uh, he asked me why I was there. And uh, if I cut, they cut me because I was too small for 55, why would I make it at 70? And so I told him, like, yeah, I just wrecked it at 170 grappling. Why wouldn't I be able to make the show? And right then, then and there he cut me. But at the same time, promised me that I was, if there was a 55 or 45, uh, that I was going to be mm-hmm. on the next time. 
Well, the next show happened to be 45. Uh, I didn't have to try out or nothing. They called me and just told me basically I was on the show. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a good life experience. I mean, it's not something I want to try again. But, uh, you know, it gave me a lot of good opportunities. It gave me, you know, my UFC career. I was able to get, you know, 11 fights in the UFC, two on the show, and nine in the UFC. And then, um, you know, gave me a great life for about three, mm-hmm. four years. What was the hardest part about doing the show, and what was the funnest part about the show? Obviously, the toughest part was being away from the family. Um, I mean, I had a lot of a lot of things go on while I was gone. I had my first niece be born. Uh, I had a cousin that passed away while I was on the show. Um, you know, I missed my girlfriend, who's now my wife now. Uh, at the time, I missed you know my family. You don't have any contact with any of the outside world. Uh, you're just locked up in the house with you know 15 other dudes with a lot of testosterone in the house and who's the manliest one in the house, you know, it's not, it's definitely not a good time. <laughs> um, but, you know, I still got to meet a lot of good people. Um, you know, I, I, the coach Bisming, coach Mayhem, you know, I still, you know, talk to Bisming every now and again, uh, who turned out to be champion now. Uh, I got to meet a lot of good guys and it gave me a great break. So it was awesome. I would never, I don't regret doing it. It's not something I would do again, but um, <laughs> it was awesome. Right now, I often wonder when they cut these shows up that they often leave out some of the really good stuff. Can you give us something that you remember that was left on the cutting room floor that would have been good for television? Um, the one thing I would remember that I kind of remember that we did, uh, and that wasn't really much part of it. I was in the room with them, but uh there, we had a, a annoying kid on the kid on the season uh a Sweden kid Akira and uh you know he he kept on rubbing people the wrong way and uh TJ Dillashaw actually got a plan where he was going to make him his little acai drink that Akira drank every night uh he like pretend like he wanted one as well and made one for himself but at the time he also put uh Xlax and a sleeping pill in there so he would poop himself while he fell asleep <laughs> So we uh, kind of blended up wow. that drink, and we actually made that for him. Um, producers weren't very proud of it, but they couldn't really get involved in the show, so they did kind of make us, once they had a chance, they actually talked to someone and said, hey, when you get a chance, you better make sure he does not drink that. So he you know, he had a little bit of it, and they put it on the table. My buddy uh, Marcus was on the show, accidentally, accidentally knocked it off the table and ruined it. Uh, later on told us, hey, the producer made me do it because <laughs> – we can't be doing that kind of stuff to one of the guys, but uh, that would have—he uh, did end up passing out. He didn't poop himself, but it was still, you know, a fun moment. This <laughs> <laughs> was very interesting. Uh, well, that, that would have been good for the cameras, uh, for the TV ratings and all of that. But uh, thank you for sharing that. So, uh, you know, <laughs> so your UFC career—I mean, obviously you you had the fights on the Ultimate Fighter, but those are considered. Amateur fights, although you approach, yeah, yeah, exhibition rather, uh, but you you certainly don't approach them that way. But then you get to fight on the ultimate, the season 14 finale, and you have a very lengthy UFC UFC career. And uh, talk a little bit about some of what you thought your best performances were, some some big memories for you uh, in those fights. Um, you know, always, you know, always uh, one of my favorite was beating Cole Miller. Uh, he was, it was my first real big UFC test. And, uh, we had that little bit of beef cause I beat his brother who was supposed to win our season, the ultimate, ultimate fighter. And I ended up beating him to even get into the house. So he didn't even make the show at all. And, uh, Cole had that little bit of a beef about me not 
letting his brother get in the house. So we went to Australia, uh, which was an amazing trip already. And uh, he was kind of running his mouth already about how I'm too cocky for my own good. And uh, he was going to humble me and basically make up for his brother uh, losing to me. And then, uh, you know, I ended up going to, you know, going out and winning a decision, whereas the huge underdog, which is always going to be amazing. Um, and then always beating the former champion of the world. You know, Mike Brown was, you know, the Euro, the WC champion for a lot of years. He's the number one ranked guy for a long time. And to knock him out in 50 seconds was a huge, huge thing for me. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, there right, definitely right. some highlights in my UFC career. Yeah, that Cole Miller fight was, was a very good fight. Uh, a fight you won pretty much throughout. But the last few seconds, last minute or so, you were in some trouble there. He had you in a pretty vulnerable position, if I recall, and he was laying out some hard ground and pound on you. Uh, what goes through your mind when you're in such a vulnerable position? Because you did, you did survive well, it, and you got the unanimous decision. Uh, were you ever worried that the, the, that in that particular moment you were going to be stopped? No, not at all. I mean, I'm very aware during fights. I know what's going on. I knew I was up two rounds. Um, I won those first two rounds very decisively. Uh, the third round, I was actually winning that round too, till I let him get me get me to the ground. And uh, once I got there, my only thing was I had to survive. <laughs> I was tired. I was completely gassed. And uh, you know, it was my first you know my first tough test. I knew he was gonna be tough, but uh, I actually thought once we got to the ground, I thought he wasn't gonna be as good as he was. And when I found out he was, I just wanted to survive that last you know 30, 40 seconds and make sure I got the decision win. Now, after the fight, you get the victory. Is the bad blood done? Do you guys Are you guys in a good place afterwards? I mean, probably not inviting each other out for lunch or anything like that, but did some of the animosity uh, ease a little bit after the fight? It did, actually. Uh, you know, I'm not one to get into with much opponents anyways. Actually, I'm more made fun of, actually, because, you know, before my – even this last fight that I had, theories, um Instead of, you know, trying to mean bug and all that, I was helping my opponent cut weight. I get I looked at my sweet sweat. I was helping them wipe the sweat off of them. So I'm, I'm usually, you know, become really close with my opponents. I'm, I, it's not bad blood at all. But, you know, Cole was one of the first times I ever had that. And, uh, you know, once the fight was over, we actually ended up going to one of the UFC. They have like a UFC meeting every year. And one of the years we did that, we ended up going to the pool together, me and Cole, and I uh, bonded for, for a day. Oh, that's good. See, now I would not have predicted that. So then there you go. Goes to show you, you never know. Um, I mean, lengthy career. Talk a little bit about some of your opponents. Who do you think was the best overall mixed martial artist you faced? Um, overall, uh, you know, I mean, definitely uh, Dennis Bermudez was the highest ranked. I mean, he's still, I think he's still top ten to this day. Uh, he got he got pretty far up there actually. He was like number four or something like that at one point. Uh, he's probably the most highly ranked. Uh, the toughest fight was definitely the Darren Elkins fight. Uh, I think he's underrated. I mean his his strength and takedowns is just phenomenal, and he his style was just really bad for me. Um, someone that wasn't willing to even try to stand and bang, and he knew what was going to get what worked against me. He definitely took advantage of it. Uh, so Elkins was probably my toughest fight. Bermuda's was the high, most highly ranked, and 
Uh, and that was a little bit different too, because me and him lived with each other before the before the fight. We've also trained together because we were on Team Mayhem together. So I knew what to expect with him. Uh, I actually thought I was going to win that fight easily, and he ended up getting the decision. So yeah, I'd probably I'd have to say Elkins was the tougher of the fights, even though I think Dennis would still beat him. Now, is there one particular fight where if you had to change something or do it over again, uh, can you can you identify some kind of point in your career with with that kind of a moment? Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. End of my career. Um, won the Honey Jason fight in Brazil. Um, you know, that was, I, I got stopped when I was landing an upkick. He rocked me, put me to the ground, and I landed an upkick, and the referee stopped it. Um, that's always going to suck. Um, probably the worst stop, one of the worst stoppages in UFC history. And I had to be a part of it, which that was, I wish I could go back in time and just not get rocked and just actually fight him. Cause I think, uh, that was fight Taylor made for me. Um, also the last fight, um, I wish I just, you know, did things life differently where I, I should have never even taken that fight. I was literally on painkillers the entire, uh, training camp I had such a bad back I couldn't even get out of bed and the fact that I wanted the UFC pay I took the fight anyways and then I ended up losing my UFC career because I thought that it was such an easy fight I thought I could walk through it with no problems and he ends up winning the decision I lose my career for a fight that I shouldn't have been taken you know I shouldn't even I wasn't even healthy enough to walk around let alone fight a UFC competitor and uh you know I wish I probably just um manage money a little bit better where I didn't want need money and then you know not mm. take that fight when I didn't have to now going into that fight and you're talking about the the, the Noad Lahat fight I think that was your last UFC yeah. fight uh, now going into that fight were you were you worried that if you didn't perform you would have gotten cut anyway or um, if you didn't even take the fight like yeah, the losing wasn't even an option. That fight, I thought that was fight the easiest fight I could even possibly have. Uh, I thought I was gonna be able to walk through him, which I felt like in the third round when I actually turned it on, I actually was able to do whatever I want. But I literally went in the corner after that first round and told my coach at the time, like, I just don't really feel like fighting right now. And he looked at me like a little concerned. I'm like, I don't know. Hopefully he comes on soon though. And he goes, Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> the second <laughs> round I did turn it up a little bit, and then I ended up. And I was winning that second round. I got myself put in a triangle. And then uh, third round, you know, I completely dominated, but it's already too late. So it's just mm. uh, it's just a weird, weird overall fight for me. One that I, I don't think I've ever had one that way before. Now, how do you learn when uh, you get cut from the UFC? Uh, who makes that phone call? Uh, my manager actually called me, and he, they more gave me an option. Uh, they said I could either take a year off and try to find a matchup that made sense. And because uh, it's very rare to have a three-fight losing streak, but they gave me the benefit of the doubt because that Honey Jason fight was such a fluke uh, that they were going to try to find me a matchup, but I'd have to take a year off. Or they said I could go out of the organization, win two fights, and get right back in with a clean slate. Um, I wasn't doing anything other than fighting, and I didn't get into fighting just to sit around. So I took the option of getting out of the UFC, taking two fights, and then hopefully get a clean slate and a pay raise. And uh, ended up losing my very first UFC fight out of the UFC, which that guy's now in the UFC at 155. So, no, it was a tough fight to take, anyways. But um, right, Desmond Green was the was the fighter who just won. It was. No, yeah, tough one there. Which yeah, like like people seen, you know, he was the perfect style where uh, he didn't really 
uh, kind of try to fight me anymore, just try to hold on. And uh, he, he did really good just grinding me out and uh, winning decision. I know um, it was a tough fight and, you know, he, he did it really well. And he, he's done, he's done really well since, you know, like I said, he's in the UFC now and now he's one to know he's beaten an undefeated kid in the UFC. So, you know, I've had basically nothing but tough fights. <laughs> right, right, right. Now, in, after the UFC, you continued fighting even after the green fight, and you, you moved up in June of 15, you moved up to lightweight, and you were victorious in the, your lightweight debut. Talk a little bit about the differences of competing with uh, at featherweight as compared to lightweight. Uh, which one was that? I Actually, I tried going down to 35, actually, uh, after that, I think. Jack Montgomery, um, they say, was your lightweight uh, debut. Oh, yeah, I did. Oh, that one was actually at welterweight. He missed weight, and we ended up fighting at 170. <laughs> um, I got the, wow, I got so, the call. Wow, so what was that uh, like? Yeah, I, I actually was 155. is was in Reno, which is like nine-hour drive. Um, we went and we made weight. I got on weight to 155, and my roommate at the time, Brock Jardine, started driving us, and then I ended up getting a call saying, hey, Jack's not making weight. Uh, what do you want to do? I'm like, just tell me what to weigh, and I'll, I'll weigh it. And uh, he called me back about an hour later and told me the fight's now at 170. So I actually got to gain 15 pounds on that car ride over to uh, Reno, which is awesome. <laughs> and uh, how, how did you do that? <laughs> what was the uh, um, so method? I didn't really worry, but I didn't really care how much. Well, I had to do is weigh 156. And that that would have been fine. I, I left at my house at 155, and uh, all I did was just be able to eat and drink, uh, not dehydrate, because I was already a little dehydrated. I stayed a little bit big and cut down to 155. Uh, all I had to do is just eat a regular meal, and you know I think I weighed in at like 160 or something like that. All right, good stuff there. And uh, uh, your last fight was a split decision loss on record in March of 2016 to Andre Harrison. That was. Uh, part of uh the titan that was actually for the featherweight championship uh any plan to get back into fighting again or are you retired yeah no that was actually two fights ago um you know andre harrison uh you know it was a split decision loss it was a rough one because i honestly felt like i won the first second and fourth round and the one judge that actually knew what he was talking about dennis holman uh gave me the decision uh the other two judges were actually nothing against females but other I think one's a female, one's another girl who never really judged and mm-hmm. figured since he was on top, a lot of it, he should have won. Uh, and oh, so uh, he ended up getting a split then. decision. Right, yeah, I fought right. a couple times since then. Um, and he ended up getting that oh, decision, okay. which was I tough. Didn't know but, that. <laughs> yeah, the tough one about that one was if I would have won that fight, I would have been on the UFC card in Utah. Uh, that was mm. happening in August, a few months later. And uh, so I mm. had. I won five fights in a row, and then I was going to fight Andre. And I really honestly felt like I won that fight. And they gave him the decision and kind of cost me a UFC fight uh, return. Uh, so that was really hard to swallow, which, you know, it sucks. But Andre is actually a close friend of mine. And we re- uh, I fought a couple months after that, ended up getting a 12-second knockout against a kid named Pat Reeves uh, up here in Ogden. And then about three weeks ago, Andre just won the featherweight title for World Series of Fighting. And I was on that same card and ended up losing a decision uh, to a really tough kickboxer from Canada, uh, uh, Hakeem Duwabu, Duwadu, or something like that. Oh, okay. I, I, I was given the wrong information. Sorry about that. So uh, oh, so what's fine. next for you, Stephen? Um, you know, I'm going to continue with uh, World Series of Fighting. 
Um, you know, this is uh, I've, it's not all my this is actually my 52nd professional fight. You know, I've had plenty of fights in my day. I'm gonna take. I've been taking a few weeks off, and I plan on taking at least one more week off because, you know, I did take a lot of blows to the head that last fight. Um, it was a tough. You know, it, it was a real. Yeah, the World Series of Fight. It was a tough fight. I got a, took a lot of shots to the head. All right, yeah, I, I have it here now. March 18th. March 18th was the fight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I'm taking another couple of weeks off, just kind of getting fat boy mode, getting as much weight as I can, and just kind of enjoy Easter. And then uh, back to training as soon as the court gets back from California. And, uh, uh, you know, just kind of get back into shape. <laughs> and then when the right. World Series calls me, I'll be ready. All right, good stuff there. And uh, you, you spoke about how when you entered uh, this sport, UFC wasn't even a big thing yet, obviously. Circa 2017, uh, you know, much different scenario. What advice would you give any youngsters who want to get into mixed martial arts now that it is uh, much more, you know, accessible and popular these days? Um, you know, it's a, it's a great sport. I mean, I, I, I would never... Uh, change anything in my career uh, but at the same time uh, you know I have a, a two and a half almost three year old boy and uh, I would never recommend him ever getting started in the sport <laughs> it's not a career lifestyle that you could help with the family uh, I wish while I was in the UFC I actually had you know a part time job or something where financially was more stable because uh, even in the UFC, uh, you make a good portion of money. I think my last contract in the UFC was like 20000 20000 where you get forty grand in one day, and people think that's huge, but you lose more than half of it immediately. Uh, and, you know, half of it goes to taxes, basically. Then you pay the coaches, your training partners, and you, you lose so much money during the camp. Uh, it's not enough money to live off of. I, I wish I would have, you know, got like a part-time job or something where I was able to get consistent consistent income and be able to take my career a little bit more slowly. I, I took fight after fight after fight just to make money as much money as possible. And uh it just wasn't no matter how many fights I had, you end up losing a bunch of money as you go. And one of the biggest criticisms of the sport, especially the UFC, because they're so, so successful, is that the fighters get grossly underpaid. Would you agree with oh, that? Yeah. Big time. I mean they just sold for four point two billion and you know, the undercard guys are making eight and eight, if not, you know, some guys are making even less than that. Some, I know a lot of guys are making more than that now, but, you know, <laughs> you're paying out maybe a million dollars a card, and majority of it are to the high, the higher-rate people, you know, Ronda Rousey, Anderson Silva, but on top of that, giving them the bonuses, uh, the lower-end people don't get anything. And uh, kind of, it's just not right, you know, like, mm. They need it so people get medical. They need it so – I mean, they need to take care of the fighters a lot better. Now, why do you think there's not more of a, a push for that? Is it because the fighters really don't have nowhere else to go? I mean, if they go to another organization, they're not going to get paid better than what they get paid in the UFC. Exactly. And if they if they turn it down, well, guess what? They have hundreds and hundreds of other new fighters who will take their spot. You know, no one. If you don't know who the fighter are, why does that matter? So they just keep on replacing you. It, it, it's going to take the big names, which even them, you know, GSP tried to take a stance, and other guys in the UFC just don't care, and it doesn't matter. So I mean, they're just going to keep doing what they're doing. They're smart business, man. They're they're making tons of money for it, and they're going to always make money for it. And unless people start 
you know, going elsewhere, which is, it looks like it's starting to head that way now. People are starting to turn down UFC contracts for Bellator and World Series and right. other organizations. It might be turning it the other way now, but we'll see. The only time will tell. All righty. Thank you. And the last question I have for you is in Utah, what is the pulse like for MMA? Is there a, a, a lot of uh, gyms popping up? Do we have a lot of that uh, going on there? Is it a popular sport in Utah? Um. No, I really don't know anymore. Uh, I mean, at the time, I know I, I don't keep up with it nearly as much as I used to. At the uh, Before the UFC, I, I didn't know every fighter around here in Utah and all that kind of stuff. Nowadays, I don't really, you know, pay attention. I don't go to the fights anymore. I don't really, you know, I got a, I got a baby. Now. I got a, my little boy now. I got a baby on the way. I got more worry about being at home than uh, checking out the MMA scene. <laughs> All right, good stuff. Thank you, Steven Seiler, or thank you for coming on. Now's the time for some uh, final thoughts, anything you want the fans to know, any uh, thanks you want to give to anybody. Now's the time for your closing remarks. Thank you for coming on. Perfect. I just appreciate you guys having me on. It was awesome. Thank you, guys. All right, thank you, and you have a good rest of your evening. Perfect. Thank you. Bye. All righty, thank you. So, uh, good stuff, some uh, candid stuff from Mr. Uh, Seiler. We'll uh, look forward to seeing him on the, the World Series of Fighting, which I, I didn't even know happened March 18th, but uh, I typically uh, keep up with the World Series of Fighting, but I haven't watched the last couple of cards. But uh, uh, Stephen looks, seems like he's in a good place and uh, is pretty uh, honest about his career and uh, what it, life is like for a mixed martial artist, so good stuff there. I'm going to take a very quick break, and when we come back, we'll have Eric from New Jersey on to talk about uh, some more of the uh, UFC 210 extravaganza and uh, break down the big fight card coming up right after this.
Alrighty, welcome back to Zoots MMA Talk, the show where we give you a mixed martial arts straight up with no twist. And we're going to get right to Eric from New Jersey. Eric and I watched UFC 210 together, but we have not really spoken that much about the card with each other since then, and that's the way I like it, save it for the show. So Eric, uh, first of all, welcome. How are you doing tonight? Thank you. And uh, well, let's get right to it. We got a lot to. Yeah, we 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 got a lot to get to, a lot to discuss. So we had a, a lot of deep conversations during the card, and uh, you know, while you were while we were watching, what were your thoughts afterwards? So what do we want to what do you want to tackle first? The uh, that main event, the co-main. Wherever you want to go, you know, what, what was your what was your most impression? Where do you want to go? With this, uh, you know, there's so much to talk about. You want to talk about the big stuff first? I don't know. Wherever you want to go, sir. All right. Well, I guess we'll talk about – let's go right to the main event, I guess. Uh, I think you were alluding uh, to the fact that uh, Anthony Johnson didn't look like he wanted to really be in there or or didn't give 100% effort in that fight. and uh, yeah, it's only basically to me. I mean, he knew he was going to retire, and basically, he uh, he just didn't have that desire. So he was just going towards his wrestling, and 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 that's it. I mean, obviously, I mean, the corner was trying to tell him otherwise. Everybody, everybody watching knew what was supposed to happen, but what he was supposed to be doing, and uh, he just uh, his head wasn't in the fight. That's it. It's interesting that that occurred on the same night where another fighter, Cote, was going in and knowing it was his last fight. And even though he didn't win, you saw the difference in the effort. So I think that was like one of the worst things for Rumbles. And obviously he's getting a lot of heat. I think it was very bad for him to have somebody else on there with the same scenario and not, so to speak, packing in. I mean, go to his wrestling where he knew, I guess that's his comfort zone, so that's why he did it. That's what DC alluded to even in the post-fight interview. But he, that was no way in shape or form giving him the best chance to win that fight. Yeah, I think they both had a different mindset. I mean, Cote is a little older, and I probably, in his mind, took his career as far as he physically feels like he can do it and, and got out. I mean, that was the impression I got. Uh, where Rumble's probably been thinking about this for a while, and even though he's physically capable of doing this, it's just not something that he wants to do anymore. So I think there's a little different mindset. So Cote was in there trying to finish, and, you know, he was in there legit trying to win and with his mind focused on fighting. And uh, I, I think Rumble's was mentally already retired before that fight started. I mean, how strange is it to have Rumble have that happen to him when he – was probably fighting, performing the best he ever has. Three performance of the nights get knockouts against killers, quick knockouts, and he somehow yeah, was, he, loses his desire. How odd is that? Yeah, I mean, he wins that fight. I mean, you've got John Jones. There's really, like I, I think I had said to you, that he basically already cleaned out the division. He's already knocked out Gustafson, knocked knocked out Jimmy uh, Manoa. I mean, yeah, Pichera. I mean, all the top guys he's already knocked out. So if he would if he got through Cormier, the only thing left was John Jones. I mean, basically would have wiped out the division. Yeah, everything else would have been like re- redundant. I mean, you know, guys like 
Tukshara, Govzestan, they're fighting each other. You don't want to say, well, they don't deserve the fight, but how much interest would that right. have generated if it had happened? Uh, so so now, now Rumble's gone. I don't want to spend too much time on him because, uh, quite frankly, I feel cheated by him. But uh, let's talk about it from the D.C. standpoint. He's the guy that had some negative attention on him uh, going into the fight with the weigh-in, which we, we spoke about a little bit. But that seems to have disappeared, so to speak. Well, we'll talk a little bit about that. Right? I mean, obviously he gets off. Uh, he wins the fight, performs. But... This whole idea of him doing a little bit uh, of the cheating, so to speak, to make weight with the whole towel, towel gate. Let's talk about towel gate, Eric. It, 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 was, it looked like it did look like that's what happened. I mean, it was 1.2 pounds two minutes later, and he still had no clothes. It's not like he had already done the towel. So it wasn't like he took his sweatpants off or you know, took his underwear off or something like that. I mean, you've seen a couple of the signs where underwear weighs three quarters of a pound or something funny like that or a pound. But, I mean, he was he still was the same person, uh, you know. And, and and looking at it, it did he looked like he was he was weighing down a little bit on that towel. Uh, and the other thing I thought was interesting too, and and, and I mean, you could you could twist the uh, conspiracy in different ways. So he was. Uh, a hundred, uh, two hundred, two oh six points. He's one point two over. He gets on right. the scale two minutes later, and he's two oh five even. Rumble Johnson gets on the scale instead of two oh five even. He's two oh three point eight. He's actually lowered. He's off by one point two pounds. Yeah, they did, they did not make a really good effort to cheat there, but they got away with it. I mean, you know, everybody busted. I mean, it was clear so, what yeah, happened. So the guy was over. So right, right. So somebody said, so whether it was the towel, which I could look like, it's probably more likely the towel than than the than the scale uh, being played with. But but you know you could certainly look at that and, and question that. But the the fact that he gets away with it, I guess, is really the to me is probably the you know I want to like the guy at this point, but. <laughs> It's just it's hard to look past that, but you're just getting forgotten, I guess. Yeah, no, I mean, and it's one of those things where, you know, it takes a village. You hear that a lot, but let's put it in some kind of real right. content here. You know, the UFC is not stupid. They've gotten burned with late uh, fights being canceled. I mean, uh, the, I think it was the last pay-per-view where uh, the Ferguson fight was called. You know, obviously, John Jones, two days before he was supposed to fight DC at 200. So, all right, you know, for those, they had no control. Guy almost collapses and dies because of cutting weight. The other guy fails a drug test. This one, they, they could manipulate, and they did. Yeah, they they were in a bad spot at that point, uh, and they knew that main event. Uh I mean, it would have been a disaster if he couldn't make weight. It would have been a disaster because not that they couldn't have fought, but it just as far as pay-per-view buys. And now, because now they could have done, and I don't know what the New York State Commission rules are, but typically in those situations, I believe. I don't even think they know, Eric. (laughs) But typically, you still fight, and Rumble can win the title. Is is what I've seen, but I don't know 
if Rumble wins, he could still win the title. But you know what I mean? If it were the other way around, being that he was the challenger, he still has that opportunity to fight and win the title. That that would right. be that was my impression, but I don't know again yeah. New York State Commission. Yeah. You know how they yeah, and there's no way you're going to know because they don't communicate. So, uh, right. And uh, still would have killed the pay-per-view buys, you know, regardless. Yes. Well, even, that, yeah. even if they did fight under those conditions, it still would have ruined the pay-per-view buys for sure. Right. Well, that's why they cheated. Plain and simple. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so with that, with moving forward, Cormier does break his nose. It goes to show you what a great striker Johnson is because he wasn't even trying to strike and he went to break in the guy's nose. Uh, but if if you listened, and I think you did listen to Dana White after the fight, it uh, doesn't seem too keen. Uh, all these John Jones people all over social media. I, I, mean, I posted a question on one of these fight groups, uh, you MMA fight groups, uh, about, you know, if Manoa gets the DC Rumble winner, you know, how's he going to figure out a style matchup to win against one of those guys? And a lot of guys were killing me. He's not getting that fight. John Jones is the next one. If you listen to Dana White, it doesn't seem like he's too keen on rewarding John Jones with a title shot right away. Certainly not in July when DC did want to fight again before the busted nose. Yeah, well, you can't blame him. They've already put a lot of money into previous shows that, that, that fell through. So, uh, you know, it, that's, it's not surprising. The the thing is, I don't know if you heard, I think, what DC said, because Dana White is saying that that would be a cool main, right, to somebody. And they even right. alluded to a fight. Now, I wish I remember which one it was. It might have been the Bantamweight. He alluded to a particular card, which they would be co-maining. Which was, and uh, DC said, we're not co-maining anybody unless it's Conor McGregor or maybe a heavyweight. Right. Title. You're talking about DC and so, Manoa, right? But no, no, uh, DC, so DC and John Jones. DC, John Jones. Ah, ah. Because what what Dana White said, if John, if DC fights John Jones, it will not be a main event because he can't right, right. put all his chips in, the, you know, in that pot. So if DC fought John Jones, it would be a co-main. Gotcha. And, wait, gotcha, and, gotcha. And, and that was the fight that they, they were potentially talking about the Bantamweight at that time. But it was all, you know, he was all, he was all uh, you know, you know, uh, just theoretical discussion at that point. So right, he, he right. Saying, if he fights John Jones, it will be a main event. And if it's not, it would have to be a co-main to Conor McGregor or a heavyweight title fight. Gotcha, gotcha. So well, we're main events to be seen. Well, yeah, but which leads me to believe is that if DC is going to force that hand, that he will, he could end up fighting Manawa, and then I could see that as a main event because there's, there's no history, really, with Manawa, you know, for, you know, causing problems with fights or anything like that. Well, with his broken nose, do you think it's still possible to get back fighting in July? Because that's what he originally wanted. Do you think a broken nose could derail that? Uh, I guess I guess it would depend on the extent of it. I mean, it's something that they might be able to to resolve right away without surgery or anything like that. I would say if there's sur- actual surgery involved, that could be a problem. But a lot of these people they fight without being breathing properly for forever, so it's not it's not out of the question for him to come back in July. 
All righty, good stuff there. Anything else on this one before we move on? Uh, I guess we could probably uh, wrap this one up. Put a bow on that one. Put a nice bow on it. Huh? All right. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the probably the most talked about fight was the co-feature, Gegard Mousasi and uh, Chris Weidman, uh, you know, obviously ending in a way nobody could have predicted. Uh, a lot of finger-pointing, a lot of blame, a lot of confusion. A lot of revelation, too, uh, with uh, Musashi. Thinking, you know, taking a moment to say, you know, maybe this is it. You know, with stars of the UFC, I'm not being treated fairly. Weidman changing, you know, thought for sure he was fouled. And then when he saw the replay, the replay was the big theme. He changed his mind a little bit. It was a fight I thought that was going in Gegard's way anyway. I thought he was on his way to perhaps even stopping Weidman. What did you think? Yeah, well, as far as uh, Gegard coming back or not, I, I'm fairly certain he will be. The UFC at this point needs him in that division. Um, Yoel and, and Jacare, are, or Yoel's probably almost 40 at this point. Uh, Luke Rockhold has surgery and is a question mark. Uh, you know, Anderson Silva's old. Weidman's on a three-fight skid. They need they need uh, Musasi to in that division right now. And uh, so I, I don't see him. Going what do you mean? They got Shogun Ua. That's what I need. Oh, wait, I think was he still. No, I think he's at light heavy, though, anyway. Light heavy. Well, he oh, yeah. can come down. Yeah. He can come down. Yeah. He's done it before. Yeah. Uh, no, I hear what you're yeah. saying, but you, you heard the, the statements Dana White made about his bargaining power, didn't you, with the, with the press conference? He just he said he's just he's setting up the discussion. Uh, he's basically saying don't don't come to the table. Ridiculous. Uh, that that's just all part of the game, in my opinion. That they will talk because even at, at some point after that, Dane is like, uh, you know, I'm the one that brought him here. I like him, so I I, I think that they'll they'll, they'll they'll get him something. You know, yeah, he wants exactly. him, but he's not going to entertain any ridiculous uh, demands. Yeah. It, right. Well, um, they'll have to come somewhere in the middle, and I think for Musashi, it, it makes sense for for him as his legacy. I mean, he's this is as good as he's ever been. He's in his prime. He's really he's only thirty one. He's been fighting for forever, and uh, he's, he's as good as he's ever looked. So I, I don't see him walking away from the UFC unless I mean, you know, somebody like Bellator steps in with something mind boggling. Uh, I, I tell you what, he goes to the, he goes to Bellator. His first fight in, he's middleweight champion. They just had their middleweight championship fight over there, and right. it was Rafael uh, Cavallo, who's who's he's a good fighter. He's he's solid against uh, Melvin Manhoof, who's forty years old. So you, you can't tell me that division is very deep at this point. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, I I I agree. I just thought it was interesting. Uh, to know, and uh, you know, if it's in jeopardy, where, where you know, Bellator would be the most likely, you know, place for him to land. Actually, if he goes over there, it would make sense for him to go back to light heavy. With the, that, that would be a nice division there. You know, if they still the Phil Davis and uh, Bader, King Mo, you know, potential rampage. There's definitely for him to go there. It would probably make most sense. 
for for him and the company financially to go back to the light heavy because it makes no sense for him to he'll have that clean that division cleaned out in a week the middleweights over there you know yeah but yeah I, I agree well that's good I, I hope so I hope so so uh, so that fight ended uh, strangely huh. Not really. What do you want? So, <laughs> I'm still you, uh, unclear of the rule, so I'm still unclear of the rule. Maybe you can help me out with so that. This, I, 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 so this is my understanding, and I, I, I pieced this together. First of all, fouls different, that are not a low blow are treated differently than a low blow. And it's boxing is like this, and, I, and, 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 and the MMA rules. With a low blow, you have Five, the fighter has five minutes to continue. If the fighter cannot continue, it's essentially a TKO. They lose. Now, if the ref, you could say the ref could decide that the low blow was intentional and disqualify the the, the offender. You know, if the right, that's right, the that was my understanding of it. Yeah. If they believe that the, the low blow was intentional. Um, regardless of that other fighter can continue or not either. Like the, the ref just might say, you know, uh, whether or not that other fighter wanted to continue, the ref might say, yeah, I've had enough, you know, especially, you know, the second time, third time or whatever in the in the fight. Um, if that fighter cannot continue, they lose, you know, if it's an accidental low blow. For other fouls, the referee has to determine if it was intentional. And at that point, they can take a point. They can do a warning, take a point, or disqualify the offender. The, the person that gets fouled does not have five minutes automatically. They, they're supposed to have a doctor check the fighter. If they cannot, if you get fouled and you can't, you know, you can't just start continue right there. You, and, and, and you know, there's obvious. Uh, Something happened, whether whether it be uh, you know it opened a cut or you know bruised an eye or whatever the whatever the incident was. It's supposed to get looked at by a doctor. The doctor has five minutes to decide if they're going to let that fighter continue. If the if the doctor decides in two minutes that fight's over, it's over. The the the, the, the fighter doesn't say, hey, I got three minutes left to get this straightened out. It's the doctor that has five minutes. In this case, um, it's Rodriguez, over though. But what's the outcome? So okay, so if the if the referee decided that it was unintentional, then it would be a I believe it's a no contest. If that fighter could not continue because the doctor the doctor the doctor determines that fighter cannot continue. The fighter doesn't. Right. The fighter. The, the doctor determines it. So it's a no contest if it's an accidental foul. That's my understanding. Now, if, if, if they said that that was an intentional foul and the doctor decides he can't fight, then I believe it's a disqualification. That, other, that It's a disqualification, and the, the, the person that was fouled wins. In this instance, it was probably going to go the way of a no contest. I don't think that the corner knew the rules because they were trying to get this going more than what it was. 
And at that point, Miragliata hadn't even determined, to my knowledge, if it was intentional or not intentional. And that, right. And so, but he had always, he already made the break though that there was a foul. He already determined there was a foul, and it should have continued that way. At that point, he should have made the determination if it was intentional or not. And then, if if it, and he probably should have determined not intentional it would have been the right call. I mean, yeah, I think you could argue it was, but given the circumstances, at that point, the cat was out of the bag, and he knew it was a legal strike. You know, he could have determined on that, but it, it, ultimately, they should have moved forward with the referee's decision and not interference from McCarthy watching the tape. It was no right, right. Watching the tape and telling them that. Now, there's something, and I believe I've heard, heard Dean talk about this because he's been in these predicaments before. The referee can get outside help from another referee on hand. Let's say something happens and, and something awkward. You might say, "I kind of missed that." What you know? What's the ruling? Or did you see it? Could ask that help. The problem is he did not. He already made be determined that it was a foul. And I, McCarthy was all over this because he's the one that implemented this rule and pushed it through for the two hands down. So his reaction to this is just based on his feeling towards it because he he never liked fighters, quote-unquote, playing the game with their hands down. So right, he was right. thrilled. He was thrilled to go in there and tell Maragliata that it was that, that, that it was a legal blow. So, yeah, I, mean, my, I think he's, in my opinion, there's a big fault on his part. There's a big fault on the commission's part. And, uh, you know, they kind of muddied the waters there, and it should have just continued the, the way the referee, you know, determined out of the gate. Uh, it could be – now, if it's protested, it could end up being a no contest. I don't, I don't know, you know. Yeah, because you know, it, it, it could be. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that, I, that's it. Now, the only thing I would say, I mean, I want to add to that is at the time of the blow, and I don't know if – I had to go. Well, I saw this when it happened. I saw it on a replay, and I had to go watch a highlight to, just to check myself. But he he needs him. He needs Weidman the first time. Weidman's got his hands down, but it's not completely touching. It's a legal blow. He's got his hands down again. Musasi goes in for the knee, and after that knee, Weidman goes and puts his hands down again after the second knee. And it's not until Maragliata breaks them up and pushes uh, 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 Musasi to the side then he then, then Chris grabs his head and goes down to one knee. But that's a little strange. A little so Academy there, Award performance, you're saying. Yeah, there is there was that there's a little play in there. And uh, and I guess they thought at that point. Now the thing is too now he, he might be milking it a little bit, but the, you know the the corner. See, they, I think the corner. I think they, the whole corner was confused as what the outcome would be. What they didn't realize is is that it could end up being a no contest. And the only way it would have been a disqualification is if Maragliata thought it was unintentional. So to milk it at at that point was silly, and you don't even get the five minutes. It's up to the doctor. So now you're showing the doctor that you're hurt. 
So it, 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 they kind of they, they messed up a little. They they had a little bit of a misstep. Everybody had a misstep. The ref had a misstep. Chris had a misstep. The corner had a misstep. McCarthy had a misstep. You know. Right, right. Terrible job all around. Terrible job all around. Yes, yes, yes. And we, we, you know, and the thing is they're trying to point fingers at each other, too. So, you know, that doesn't help. You know, instead of just coming together. You know, in Masashi, if you go watch that, he didn't really pull up on Chris. His his throwing, his action of moving his hip up to throw the knee just naturally brought Chris's hand up. And and then and at the time when it happened, when Dan said that was an illegal knee, he didn't say, "Well, no, I picked him up." Like at this at that stage, he was under the impression that he knew he threw an illegal knee. So that I thought that's kind of odd, because if he would have, if you said, "Oh, we we trained that in the gym," and yeah, I put I'm picking him up and throwing throwing that knee, you would say right there, "No, no, no, I picked him up." You know, it may at least make that argument, even though there's supposedly no instant replay. Yeah. So that's a little bit odd, too. Because in this case, now, the, the old rule, when they used to have one hand down, McCarthy used to hate that the person with that hand down would play the game. Well, now you got the guy needing somebody playing the game. He's going to try to pick him up and knee him. Where the other way around, with the one hand down, that fighter on top never knew which hand was down, so they just didn't bother throwing the so now you got the striker playing the game, and now you got guys that are going to get hurt more than they were before. So I, I think yeah. it's created, you know. Yeah, it remains to be seen if they're going to go back to change the rule. I mean, I wouldn't bet on that. I mean, but I mean, it's clear there was only two correct calls here, or no decision or disqualification, uh, no contest, whatever. Because um, I. I, I vaguely remember a fight where a guy got poked in the eye, couldn't continue, and the guy who did the eye poking got disqualified. Uh, I don't remember, you know, this is just something that's yeah, in my and, memory somewhere and, and vaguely. Jones. I can't... Yeah. Yeah, John Jones got disqualified. Too. Was, it, yeah, if the ref thinks it's intentional or with the eye pokes, he was continually being careless, that then they then they would be disqualified, and that's the right call. John, Joe was, was, John Jones was disqualified for the elbows. Uh, to the back of the head with Hamill. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's, right, it's, yeah. it's, it's intentional. You, you get disqualified. That's the rule. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, the best thing, the best case scenario is they, uh, you know, rematch it out and go from there. Uh, but, you know, in terms of getting together, getting on board with the New York State Athletic Commission or any athletic commission for that matter. You know, they got to do a much better job than what we saw Saturday night. Well, it's ridiculous that everywhere they go is different rules. That That's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I don't know how, I don't know how they fix that, but uh, they have to be and, able and, to be a little proactive in knowing what the differences are. So shit like this doesn't go down. Right, and and uh, what we had fairly recently with uh, uh, Jorge Masvidal and uh, oh man, with, uh, Jake Jake Ellenberger. Jake Ellenberger's foot was stuck in the fence, and 
Herb, you know, the, the right call would have been to call timeout and get his foot out of the fence. And I think it was Herb Dean at the time, wasn't sure what to do. He ended up, they, they ended up doing a TKO saying that he couldn't continue, that, that Ellenberger couldn't continue. And when he protested it, the commission said the referee made the call. We don't overturn the referee. So they, they actually, that was their response to the protest from Ellenberger on that one. Right, but in this case, it really wasn't the commission that overturned the ref. It was McCarthy. Right. Well, but in a sense, McCarthy is working for the the commission. I mean, the the UFC doesn't really is not supposed to bring in the referee. It's the, you know, he was there for, on behalf of the commission, the referee, really. You know. It's not really uh, that he's not a UFC employee. He works for the commission. He just happens to be, you know, a top guy that 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 are, are all these at all these main events. Right. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah since I see him as a referee, I mean, you know, he uh, did he overstep as a ref? Probably, especially including something that he, uh, you know, implemented and no, he knew that the replay was not supposed to be used. But uh, you know. I, and I, right. I guess he's he's an attack. He's the commission is responsible for his actions, so to speak. But he's everywhere, and so he, that's why I say it's not. Miragliata like, looked like a boob because if he right. didn't say anything, even though all right, you know, Rogan they show on the replay it looks like his hand is up. But at that point, it just would have moved on and, and, and would have played out the way the referee called it, and that's the way it should have been done right. at that point. Right, I guess I look you know, at it differently not, because McCarthy's been a referee everywhere. He's not a New York State referee, so that's why I like right. divide it too. But I, but you know, in in a sense, he is working on behalf of them. <clears throat> that, yeah, that that would be my right. They, he's getting paid by the commission. Would be my understanding. You know, he's part of the the commission there. But Anything else on that? Well, did we miss anything on that? <laughs> I'm sure we have, but I don't know what else to say about it at this point. I hope for a rematch. I mean, did, I thought it was think, clear Musasi was on his way to a victory. I don't know what you, your thoughts are. Yeah, I, you know, I think he was too. But given the state of the division, if um, if Bisping is going to fight GSP, or even if he, you know, with Bisping, you know, he might fight GSP, and then. Uh, Yoel Romero is up there. Uh, you've got Jacare's got a fight coming up right now. So there's not, given the layout of that division right now and, and who's fighting who, it, it probably just it, is no harm just doing that fight again. That this, you know, I, I mean, it sucks for Masasi to have to go do that again. But in terms of, uh, I don't see it doing any harm as far as the, the division goes. You know. Right, uh, right. So for Chris, if he loses, but you know, if he wants to fight, I, I think it's uh, it, it's it, it, for the division. As far as the division goes, it doesn't. There's no harm, no foul. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right. Well, what what were your other biggest impressions of the night, UFC 210? I know you were uh, when we spoke. Anyway, you were a little bit more kinder to the card than I was. Uh, not saying the card was terrible, but I think with the two fights at the top ending the way they did, it was overall a letdown, uh, but there was some good stuff uh, in the prelims and uh, on the uh, undercard of the pay-per-view, so uh, where do you want to go? What, what do you want to tackle first? 
Um, well, David, yeah, I mean, we don't have to get get too deep into these fights, but like on the on the prelim, uh, Chikajian won won a fight. She's somebody that's up and coming to look out for. Uh, you had uh, Desmond Green. That's a that was a big fight in my opinion because uh, I think that Josh Emmett was knocking on the door of being ranked. You know, he was ten and zero or whatever. Um, and, and he looked like he was killing guys, and, and Desmond Green handled him pretty well. I think that's a big win for him, and that's a you know it's a nice new face in the division there. So that's big. Right. Gregor uh, uh, Gillespie looked good. Um, uh, that, of course, you and I were were pulling for Andrew Holbrook, and uh, right, right, he's okay right. After all that, but. Uh, you know, you yeah, one of those there, fights that I take a dump that my, my dumps take longer than. I mean, it was over in two in very very surprising fashion. Not surprising yeah. that Gillespie won, but how quickly it happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you have somebody that goes in there and, and lets their hands go, and they get caught. You know, you know just the the other day, they you hope that they're right and they move forward. Uh, what else we had? The prelims, the uh, on the on the FS1. Uh, Miles Jerry looked good. He totally dominated Del Torre. Didn't he, Del Torre? It didn't even look like they belonged in the cage. I didn't expect that at all. I thought that was yeah. at, least, at least a little bit more competitive. Right, right. Uh, Kamara Usman looked good. A lot of these guys, I think there was a lot of, some of the fights weren't the greatest. There was definitely some names now moving forward. Uh, Burgos, I was, I, I thought when well, he was more probably one of the guys that impressed me the most too. Is that Shane Burgos? He was, uh, he kind of reminded me a little bit of Jorge Masvidal in, in his style, maybe not quite as aggressive, but but in his stance and his approach, very similar. Uh, so I, I, I think that's a guy to look out for in the future. Um, and then Cummins and uh, Blahowitz. I guess that's how you say it. Yeah, that was a good fight. That, that was, I thought that was the clear fight of the night and didn't get that, that yeah. honor. Yeah. Burgos yeah, definitely. You got both, it. Both guys were in trouble. Yeah, that was a, that was a back and forth, you know. Who knows where those guys are going in the division. They're both, uh, I think, uh, Cummins is 36 or something. and But they they just keep knocking on the door of, you know, the top ten. Uh, it was a good fight. That was definitely a good fight. Uh, we got oh, what I the surprise, the surprise of the night, Charles Oliveira and Will Brooks. Yeah, he must have heard me call him a tomato cannon, and he uh, performed he performed wonderfully. That was yeah, that was a surprise. Forget it. Well, Brooks seemed lost there. Yeah, I was surprised, not so much that he isn't talented or anything like that, but the fact that he was more or less moving up in weight, and, you know, Will Brooks is a pretty big guy, and and is, and, and is, has been, you know, been a champion, I guess, in Bellator or whatever, and got beat top guys before. I was, yeah, I was definitely surprised by that. Uh, I asked Nick this, Eric, uh, what are your thoughts? Do you think it was just a situation where, he overlooked the guy, didn't take him seriously. I mean, he looked like he was in shape, but sometimes you can have that mindset where I just got to show up and I'm going to beat this guy, and that could backfire on you. Yeah, 
extremely possible. I tell you what, I mean, Charles Oliveira definitely looked focused. And yeah, that that definitely focus might have been definitely the difference. And I and I think I said it, he didn't. I don't know if he warmed up in the back or whatever, but he you know he just looked dry, like he didn't have a, a sweat going or anything. That's the way he looks to me anyway on TV. Right, right. Uh, yeah. He just looks. Uh, Oliveira looked like his head was there, and uh, and that's what happens. You know, I mean, two skilled guys. Yeah, definitely uh, not what we were expecting. So, I mean, those kinds of things, you look at it like, you know, all right, great for Oliver and all that. But, you know, we had a couple of those where the fights ended quickly and then we had a, too many fights that I thought were one-sided. I mean, that Burgos fight was one-sided. So, so those were the issues I had with it other than the, the calamity at the top. Uh, Cynthia Cavello, yeah. I thought, got shafted for a performance of the night, they gave one yeah. to uh, Oliveira and one to Gillespie, right? Uh, I mean, I could see both of those being worthy, but you know, Cav- how do you how do you shut out Cavillo? The only the, only the second mixed martial artist UFC fighter to get two stoppages in back to back pay per view cards, and she doesn't get a bonus. Yeah, she should have gotten one of those definitely. Yeah, I mean, she's really skilled. Wow. Uh, 115 pound division. That's you got another contender there now. Be interesting. That division, they've got a title fight coming up. Ioana uh, Jacek and uh, Jessica Andrade, which that's going to be that's going to be a war. Yeah, that's going to be a big fight. Yeah, that's the next main event. Next to pay per view, rather. Stipe and uh, and uh, the right. Santos, right? Main event. So yeah, that's, that's right. That, 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 that. That should be good. So, yeah, I mean, overall, disappointment for me, but not, you know, still interesting enough to be able to talk about it. And, you know, I'm glad I did see it live. But uh, overall, I would say that card was a disappointment. I know I know you're a little – I think I'm a little harsh on that one. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some, there's some future in some of these outcomes. So, it, it, and at the end of the day, I think it was good that in that way. Yeah, I'm just looking at it as uh, – as part of an entertainment piece where you want to get the best of your money. I don't think we got that. Uh, yeah, I can, I can see that. I can see that. Uh, however, even though as, as bad as it was the, the main and co-main ended, if everyone was talking about it, maybe you'd be like, hey, I wish I would have saw that. <laughs> but Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, gl- I'm glad I did not wait, but I – yeah. You know, especially the main event. It was such a letdown to see Rumble like that. But what can you do? Moving forward, I guess. Uh, yeah. Unless there's something else you wanted to address on that card, I think we should do just that. Move forward. Yeah. Because we have we have a good card coming up. That even if it stinks, we don't have to worry about wasting our money because it's free on Fox. UFC Fight Night <laughs> headliner Demetrius Johnson uh, defending his flyweight title. We have a Beautiful co-feature, and I don't and beautiful in more ways than one. Rose Namahunas taking on Michelle Waterson. Another fight that's interesting for the middleweights, especially a couple of ranked middleweights, uh, Souza against Robert Whitaker. I mean, those three fights alone, you know, yeah. you're great. You're grateful that it's on a, a free card. Where do you want to go? What, what fight you want to talk about? Predict, break down, cry about. Yeah. It. I don't know. What do you want to do? There's a lot going on there. A lot, a lot of, a lot of good-looking fights in the undercard too. But uh, I think uh, Sterling, Adjaman Sterling, and Mendez is a good fight bantamweight. 
Uh, Sterling's ranked eight, but that could be in jeopardy if he loses. But uh, you want to go to the top first? Let's go to the top, Johnny. <laughs> Old Beatles uh, quote. Demetrius Johnson, Wilson Heiss. Uh, Heiss has won, I think, three straight, as far as I can see. Uh, but he's beat some good guys. Dustin Ortiz, Hector Sandoval, Yuri Sasaki. But uh, Demetrius Johnson is... Is when was the last time he lost? 2011 or something or 12? I mean, he got 12 straight. I don't see that changing in this fight. I don't think uh, you know. I could, I can see Heist maybe getting him in some bad spots. I just think it's going to end up being uh, a, a typical Demetrius Johnson decision. Is the way I see this thing going. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was, that's body. one of the things I was most fight. interested. Say again. And not that it'll be a bad fight. It just just as I I think it, in my mind anyway, the outcome is is predictable in my opinion. Yeah, that's what is one of the things I was curious to hear what you would say if you thought that it would go the five rounds, or if you thought this could end in a, a stoppage or a submission or some kind of uh, ending before the judges declare Johnson the winner. Because, uh, you know, that because I think that's one of the things that hurts Johnson is, you know, everybody, you know, staple to go to five rounds, dominate. He's great, yeah. But, uh, you know, I think that's the reason why he's headlining a free card. Right. I mean, he doesn't have the knockout power, so you know that's not going to happen. And then, basically, the submission is going to depend on who he's fighting. And he's fighting someone else that's also, you know, skilled on the ground. They kind of cancel each other out. So, and that's why these things end up going to decisions all the time. Um, the, the, his fight with Tim Elliott was interesting, but Tim Elliott just very awkward. And, uh, you know, it, he had Johnson really bad spots in that fight. That look like, oh, wait, maybe Johnson can be submitted, but, you know, Wilson Hayes' style is a little different than than, uh, than Tim. So I, I don't, uh, it, it, I, I just see this going, the, the decision, and, you know, it'll be back and forth a little bit. Most of it, uh, you know, I just see Johnson winning this thing. Yeah, I don't have much to say about that. I'm in full agreement. Uh, what fight you want to talk about next? That Jeremy Stevens is on the card. Uh, yes. Fighting uh, uh, Renato, Renato Mociano. Mociano. Uh, I'm glad you talked He's on the field. Yeah. The name, the name, not the card, not not, yeah. not the name, yeah, not the yeah, fight. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that was one of the fights I circled as, as I, I think this could give you a surprise. Yeah, so they, I think the UFC is basically saying if uh, this guy's ten and zero, he's young, uh, so we'll throw him Jeremy Stevens. If he can get past that to test, he's a ranked fighter, uh, and then it's up to Jeremy Stevens to say uh, I'm not a stepping stone and. Uh, and take care of this guy, uh, which I think is going to happen. I see Jeremy Stevens knocking this kid out in a round or two, is my personal opinion. Um, All right, interesting. Yeah, Morgiano hasn't, he hasn't, I don't think he's even fought a ranked fighter yet. 
from what I can see, his last fight uh, was a split decision to an unranked fighter. Jeremy Stevens is has been he's been fighting uh, uh, top guys, killers, uh, 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 Ronnie Jason, Darren Elkins, uh, Dennis Bermudez, Hennen Barrow, he Hennen Barrow. Um, so he, he he was competitive with Frankie Edgar, but Frankie Edgar came back to, from the dead like he usually does. So yeah, uh, right. he fought Max Holloway. He went to decision with Max Holloway. Uh, he went to decision with Charles Oliveira that we just saw there and Hub Swanson. So this guy, Jeremy Stevens, is in there with with a lot of guys, and I, I just don't see that. Uh, I don't see him getting uh, getting stopped or losing this fight. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Cause I, I was thinking the other way. I think we could have an upset here, but uh, I certainly will put put any shekels on it. But uh, interesting. I, I was one. Yeah, I mean, he didn't. And so far, I mean, the fights that he's been losing, even though he's lost a lot of the fights recently, they're all competitive, and he's in, and he's close to winning them all. So it's you know, it's not like a guy that you can see is done. That you know, yo, every time his chin gets touched, he you know, he's going down. You know. It's it's nothing like that at all. He's just fighting the best, you know. Yeah, well, we'll definitely see. We'll definitely see. I I can't say I'm in full agreement with that, like with the Mighty Mouse fight, but we'll definitely see. Now now you got me thinking for my DraftKings too, <laughs> because I, oh, I, I was thinking of DraftKings. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I'm right saying. I'm figuring if I'm wrong, I might as well benefit from it. So I'll pick Stevens on DraftKings. So there's a lot of other good fights, Eric. What would we? Uh, one I want to throw Stop at you before you throw. Throw yes. Oh, ahead, the one I I want to throw one at you before you go, wherever else you want to go, and uh, it's uh, you know one of my favorites only because I resemble him so much. Uh, big Country Roy Nelson taking on the number eleven heavyweight Alexander Volkov. Does my boy have any chance to win that fight? Yeah, you know what? It's, that's so tough. It's, it's funny with, with Roy Nelson. Every time I think he's done, he's not. And then every time I I I, want, I think he's going to win, he doesn't. Right, right. So, what's your initial uh, thought? My initial thought is uh, that 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 Volkov wins a decision is is what I what is the way I think I kind of see this thing going. Um, but he's a tall guy, right? He's like six, seven, or something like that. I could totally see the overhand right coming from Roy Nelson. Yeah, so, yeah, that's what I know, was looking at. That's completely out of the, you know, it's not, it's not out of the question. I don't see Roy Nelson, you know, like taking him down and you know, any nothing fancy. I mean, he's going to be going in there swinging, and it could happen. So, uh, you know, it's definitely not a guarantee. You know him winning or losing, but I, I just think that uh, I think the fight's going to get dragged on a little bit, and it's going to end up going to a decision, just you know. Uh, I've yeah, watched Volkov all... recently. Yeah, he's good. He's good, but if I could only watch one fight on that car, that would be the fight. Yeah. Strangely enough. Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 it should be a good fight. That, that Without a doubt, it'll be a good fight. You know, it'll be interesting to to see if Roy Nelson's chin can hold up, see how he deals with that reach. Uh, you know, 
I think a lot of this is going to be standing up. I would I would imagine, but yeah, Vol, uh, Volkov's knocking out. I just pulled up his thing here. Knocked out. He's got 18 knockouts and 27 wins. So he's not. Yeah, he's not I mean, if this country wins, it'll definitely be an earned victory. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, but if I gotta. I got to give you an answer. I guess I'm going to go with decision. Volkov, it really seems like it doesn't make sense. Both these guys <laughs> knockout artists, but uh, that's just yeah, you don't have to necessarily decision. commit to a prediction. I just wanted your thoughts on yeah. it. You know, yeah. that's why if that wasn't a fight you were looking to predict. You don't have to. Well, right. what well, else you got right. for me? If you're going for uh, if you're going for points on your DraftKings, then Roy Nelson maybe is the is the way to go. Because I could definitely see that overhand right taking out somebody six seven. Definitely, yeah. Hope, hopefully, uh, we'll see. I, I don't know what I'm doing with DraftKings yet, but well, I haven't seen the prices yet. I know the Mighty Mouse is probably going to be about twenty grand. So, <laughs> when usually tenth grand is a high for a fight. <laughs> so, so there you go. Uh, what do we got left on here? We do have Jacare on there. We didn't talk about him yet, right? Uh, uh, no, uh, Jacare Whitaker. That that's a good fight. Yeah. The female co-main event is one. I, I don't know who yeah. uh, I'm favoring. Yeah. I'm favoring Rose, but I don't know. Uh, so, what, what are that, your thoughts on those fights? Only, that's probably the, the Nami Yunus and, and Michelle Waterson is probably the only fight that I that I would just continually flip flop on and can. And can make reasons for it to go either way. Um, I think Michelle Waterson is probably a little cleaner technique-wise. Um, might be. I'm guessing she's mildly undersized. I know she did fight at Adam Weight. I think she's a, a little bit smaller physically in stature. Um, but you know, I, I think Rose can stand up with her. Rose uh, Nama Yunus is. Uh, she's fought. Uh, Tisha Torres, who I think has a similar offensive style standing up to, to Michelle Waterson. And the last time they fought, she beat her. Um, and then she had that, uh, she had a war with Carolina Kavokavich, uh, who's the one who, who had gone a decision with and Jacek. Now, I think Rose lost that decision, but it was a good fight. So I, I think she's actually fought better people. Um, she, I think she's going to be stronger. She, I think her stand-up can can go with uh, with Waterson. The, the ground could be a little tricky if, if Rose gets a little uh, carried away. Michelle Waterson's technique is solid. Uh, but I actually think Rose is going to win this fight. I could see a decision, but I could also see uh, like a, a third-round submission uh, for Rose Namajunas. So but I'm going to go with Rose winning this fight. All right, uh, that's who I was favoring. Although I'm like you, flip a coin, but uh, you know, yeah. if you're gonna peel that onion, I find Rose was a better. Uh, her her victory is more in, inside the core of the onion than not than the other than Waterson. But Waterson could definitely win this fight, and it wouldn't surprise yeah. me. Yeah, and, and Waterson was submitted at Adam Weight uh, a couple of years ago uh, with a with a with a guillotine, and you know, so if you're at all susceptible to that going in there against Rose. I think you're going to have problems. Um, so I, I see it going Rose's way. 
All right, and what about the other the the, the the fight a lot of people think might be the best fight of the night, Brazil versus New Zealand, Chakare versus Robert Whitaker. Yeah, that it, it, I think it's going there's going to be some fireworks, but I think it's going to be uh it's it's not going to end well for for Robert Whitaker in my opinion. I see her submission here uh in my future. I got the fact I got the crystal ball right here. I just checked and it's going to be Jacare by submission. All righty. Uh, uh, in that crystal ball of yours, do you <laughs> or see us securing another marvelous Marvin Hagler autograph at the Boxing Hall of Fame banquet? Uh, yes, I see it. All right. I see it happening. Good, 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 good. All right. So, yeah, I mean, I I, I don't disagree with that one either. Well, we got about 90 seconds to go in a live feed, so I want to – Take this time to say a uh, special thanks to uh, Nick Rosberger and Rosberg, Rosboro, Rosberger, Rosboro. Nick Rosboro and, and Steven Seiler for joining us tonight. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Zoot29, capital Z, lowercase U-T-E. Uh, go to ZootsBoxingTalk at Yahoo.com and email me if you have any questions or comments. And remember to subscribe to the show on iTunes and on Blog Talk Radio. So, Eric, uh, all right, we, we got that. Was there any other fights you wanted to, to, to talk about or you had planning on pr- predicting? Uh, no, I think it basically I think we covered it, covered enough of it. Uh, we do have another card coming up, so we'll probably have a lot to talk about next week. So looking forward to that. Yeah, definitely. And the fights this week should be uh, fun. So uh, you had, do you have any uh, social media or anything uh, ready yet for the fans to follow you on? I know you've been talking about that. Uh, do we have a Twitter feed yet for you, Eric, from New Jersey? No, nah, I'm, uh, I'm still laying low. All righty. All righty. So uh, – Enjoy the fights, my friend. Thank you, and you enjoy the rest of your evening. And to all the fans out there, have a good night yourselves. Good night. It was a teenage wedding, and the old folks wished them well. You could see that Pierre did truly love the mademoiselle. And now the young monsieur and madame have run the chapel bell. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.